This is San Francisco, Episode 8, One Year Left to Live. Last time, we said that we would do an episode about everything we learned from all the traveling and acting as tour guides for friends and family. It turns out we actually had a lot to say. In total, we talked for more than two hours. So to make it easier to listen to and also to make my life easier to edit all this audio, I've split up our discussion into shorter episodes. In this first part, we cover the most important things that we've learned from hosting so many friends and some best practices to keep your sanity and maintain daily habits. Okay, so let's get started recording. The funny thing about these last two episodes is actually we've recorded them twice, and I think mm-hmm. the second one has come off a lot better than the first time around because we were really ranty. I like that. <laughs> Just, I want to point this out for people. <laughs> we have not recorded the second time yet. This is the beginning of the yeah, second recording. Yeah, so what I'm saying is I'm hopeful it'll turn yeah, out Yeah, you just throw out like, this one definitely went better. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm just saying this is going to be maybe a, a trend. I hope not because we waste a lot of time recording it and just like throwing all that audio away. It is definitely a trend that we record once and we let Drew lead it and it's garbage. And then we record the second time being like, right, Vivian should lead the podcast well, and it's way better. Well, now we've learned. Yeah. I think now we're both on the same page here. Yeah. I provide the wit, you provide the structure. That is, yep. that's our, yep. it's our recipe for success. All right. So this episode, we're going to talk about travel. Um, and we've had a lot of people come visit. So what is the number one takeaway for you of a learning for yourself, for traveling in general, for having Mm. like friends and hosting them since we've, we've become experts at it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think first a thing to point out is when we say like how to be good at handling travel, we've had a very specific kind of travel that we're talking about, which is living in Japan, people come to visit for like two or three weeks. It's not like, oh, my friend's coming for the weekend. What do I want to do? It's like we had a long, long period of like, I think, two or three different groups of people coming for two, two and a half weeks at a time. And so it's with that in mind, this is how to handle those kinds of trips. And specifically people wanted to stay with us. So it was two full weeks of being on tap to entertain and hang out with our friends. So from that lens, I think the first thing that I learned is when you're doing that kind of visiting, which I think also if you live in a foreign country, you should probably expect like a lot of your friends are going to use it as an excuse to come visit that country and they're gonna wanna stay for a while. The biggest thing is taking time before people arrived to sit down and think about what are the parts of our life that we want to make sure don't get disrupted while people are here. So for example, I think a lot about nutrition and going to the gym. I've just found that I'm a much happier person, like I sleep better, my mood is better when I am taking care of my body. And so one decision I made was that I wanted to make sure that reading the tea leaves, right? We're going to go out to eat a lot. I'm going to have to skip the gym a lot because we're going to be going to, you know, different towns or going on like little day trips and things like that. So the big thing that I did and part of the reason we threw threw out the first set of audio was I bought Huel, which is, it's the easiest way to think of it is it's like a nutritional replacement for athletes. No, you know, if you're gonna say my catchphrase, you got to get the catchphrase right, which is that Huel is a nutritionally complete meal replacement for athletes. Ah, sorry. Yes. So for people who don't know, it's basically like Soylent. And if you don't know what Soylent is, it's like a bunch of programming nerds decided like, I'm tired of having to eat. 
So I just want to make a drink that is nutritionally complete that I can just drink and then get back to coding. So it's that idea. But if you look at Soylent, like the nutrition on it is weird. It's like what a programmer thinks their body needs. Uh, so Huel is an attempt to, it's kind of like more balanced. It has reasonable amounts of nutrients in all the various types. It's still a powder that you mix with water and that can replace a meal. So I bought that before everyone came. Uh, and so then, you know, when we went out to nice meals, I still ate with everyone. But on those moments when we were just driving to Kyoto or something and just needed to stop at a rest stop along the way and everyone else grabbed like kind of crappy bento boxes or something like that, I was able to just drink a bottle of Huel and it was perfect nutrition. I felt good afterwards. So shortening it now, because last time I talked for literally 30 minutes about Huel. Huel is amazing. It's a great product. If you want to know more, send us an email. I'll tell you more about it. The thing that I learned was make a few things that you think are really key to your happiness or good functioning. Sit down before your friends arrive and outline all the ways that like having friends around for two weeks might disrupt that and come up with strategies to prevent it. So for me, it was like get a bunch of pre-made meals that I could carry with me while we traveled. Start waking up earlier, like a couple weeks before everyone gets here so I can go to the gym before everyone else wakes up, things like that. You want to just do like a mid-roll <laughs> yeah, advert let's do for a you? Fake one. Sure. I'll write it and record it later because I want to. I want to think it out. I want to make it good because there's a lot of benefits of fuel. So okay. we can put it in this podcast, but I'll just like record it another night. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Like thanks to our sponsors, and then you can cut in after and be like they don't actually sponsor us, and then <laughs> keep going. Um, I gotta get a more water. I think this though speaks to a general practice that you can use even when you're traveling for your own enjoyment because i remember when we went to visit my grandparents that i think both of us were pretty unhappy and feeling gross a week in when we were eating a lot of rich oily fatty foods that we weren't used to i just Vivian remember is being very generous right now and in including both of us i think it was a little weird for you but you managed it okay i i pride myself on being pretty accustomed to many of the different sort of subgenres of Asian cultures because I've engaged with a lot of them. But when I went on vacation with Vivian and her mom, it was so much fun, but the food we were eating was just, it was in isolation, each meal was great, but it was like two sustained weeks of being outside my comfort zone. Yeah. And it was, it was a struggle. By and the end, it, I was like, I just need a Starbucks. To Drew's credit, one, we were eating Chinese ethnic food. So it wasn't like mainstream Chinese food, which you are quite good at eating, actually. I feel like you enjoy it a lot. It was these random ethnic subcultures that were like Vietnamese people in China and how their cuisine has developed over the last 200 years or whatever. It was very, very niche types of food. And also we were traveling with my mom and her family friends. So it was really authentic Chinese travel, like what Chinese mm -hmm. people want to do when they travel, which is very different yeah. from Western inclinations. Right. So all together, I think it was this giant stress on your body right. because you were trying to impress my mom. And you were also, this is the first time we had ever gone as a couple vacationing with my family. So there was a yeah. lot of stress there. And so you couldn't say no. You couldn't be like, mm -hmm. I don't want to eat this this time because I'm 
way too overexposed. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you, I lost, you really pulled through, I think. I lost 10 pounds in two weeks. <laughs> so that's true. Yeah, oh that's God. true. I pulled through, but I, I gasped along the finish line. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing observing for me is I think we had at that point like a lot of protein bars that we ate, but mm. we maybe didn't pack that many on that no. trip. <laughs> I was through them in like three or four days. Yeah, but I think I've just noticed having this option has really just made both travel and friends coming a lot more enjoyable. So you're in a much more positive mood. And so I think that makes overall Mm -hmm. um, the experience much more enjoyable for our friends. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, oh, friends are a burden and just think of ways to make it not so much a burden to you. I mean, it is a burden at a certain point, but it's... Also, how can we have resources to make sure we're in the right mindset to host people? And it's, yeah, it's like, it's a burden, but you expect it to be like entertaining anyone for two weeks, no matter how much fun they are, is going to be a stressor on your normal life because you don't do that in your normal life. But I think people don't realize that if you take some time ahead of, ahead of the game to think about what might change and sort of prepare for it, you actually can maintain more than you think you can in terms of nutrition health or like finding time to read or finding time to write like if you just think about these things ahead of time you can prepare yourself pretty well yeah so one of my top takeaways i think is a little bit different than what you said less in the sort of day-to-day it's more that i've noticed we've been traveling maybe every month at least Mm. sometimes multiple times in a month we had a crazy series of months when family was here for three weeks and then we had a week off from people visiting and then our friends came for two weeks and then we had a week off and then you're no not even a week off we had like a day and then your college roommate came mm-hmm. so it was a crazy like three months of non-stop people visiting and I think the really surprising thing to me was we got exhausted of being tour guides but we never got tired of experiencing Japan just non-stop we were like loving it going to new places even seeing some of the old things we've already seen like we went to Kyoto again with your family but it was still really fun I think my takeaway is I just want to take a little bit of that excitement and passion for seeing new things back when we're in the U.S. so the two years before we came to Japan one year I think we went to Yosemite and we did the half dome hike which was awesome but it was really exhausting and then we didn't really do anything until the next year when we were thinking about doing the Pacific Coast Trail hike, which then we didn't do. To be fair, we didn't do it because we moved to Japan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, we could have done it. But I guess what was surprising to me was that was like a big trip that I had, you know, Mm -hmm. I had to get the permits in March and then schedule it for, I think it was May. And we were so willing to be like, ah, you know, whatever. Like, we'll just do it at some point. And so it's a totally different mindset when you're in a different country. Part of it is, I think, to us, Japan is new and exciting, but. I want to bring that a little bit back. Clearly, we can travel this much. And I think part of it is one reawakening a love of the outdoors in America and like cool things to see. And also just trying to think about, okay, maybe, you know, we should do more domestic travel, but maybe we should think about living in a place in the US that we're excited to live. Mm. Because I think we picked San Francisco because it was good for our careers. And that's like where a lot of our friends are and where um, people kind of just go as as tech workers. But yeah, those are just kind of like big open questions for me because it's been such an important part of our lives here in Japan mm-hmm. that I don't really want to lose it. 
yeah know, this excitement for being I, I think we mentioned in some earlier podcast but I think for both of us this is the first time we've been living in a city where we were super pumped about the city we were in this was the first time we we're like I love Tokyo so much I want to live in it and I think especially in the US but I think just globally people have started to discount that as a motivation it's like, oh, you just got to go where the jobs are, right? You got to think about what's best for your career and just focus on that. Rather than thinking about like making these decisions about the quality of your life that you're going to live in that place. And that, yeah, has been super transformational. Definitely something I want to keep is wherever we go, I want to be excited to go there. Um, so I, I definitely think that's true. And I think in addition to that, you know, we talked about how we were open to staying here longer, but we always knew that re- realistically speaking, we were probably going to head back at some point. And that knowledge made us, I think, very grateful for the time we did have here in Japan. And also kind of, you know, we were like people who realized we had a year to live, right? We're like, oh, there's so much we have to do before we go back. Uh, And so as a result, I think there, one, we couldn't make that argument that you just talked about, right? Of, oh, we can just do it later. If we Mm, were like, oh, I really want to see the snow festival in Sapporo. We're like, this is probably the only winter we're going to be here. Or there's like a good chance it's going to be the only winter and I don't want to have a regret. So let's do it. So I think the shortened time horizon is one. I also think when we moved here to Japan, it reset our routine. Even when you move to new cities in the US, like you get a little bit of this, but it still feels like a continuation of more of the same. Mm. But coming to Japan, everything was so new that we just kind of got completely ejected from the routine and lifestyle we'd been living before. And so we didn't have this huge gravity well sort of pulling us back. Like, for example, after five years in San Francisco, there was a certain way I just expected and had become habituated to spending my days and my like my energy and my free time. And so going on some trip out of nowhere represented a meaningful departure. Like I had the energy for it, but I'm just not habituated to it. Whereas when we got here, everything was up in the air. And because we loved Japan and we knew we didn't have much time, we just threw ourselves directly into going on trips like once a month or every other week or something like that. And so I think a really good takeaway from this is that whenever you have some kind of big move or big change in your life, realizing how big a gift the newness of that move is and not squandering it. So I think when we get back to the States, we should try to like foster a sense of enjoyment for the surroundings because now is the best time if we start establishing routines without that in our life it's going to be something we have to pull against yeah i'm also wondering if we should even if it's fake think of living back in the u.s as a temporary thing like say oh you know in two and a half years back in sf we are going to really think about moving to a different city or a different country again i wonder if that can also help our mindset and not taking it for Mm. granted just saying like hey this is not necessarily a set thing. You know well, I mean? and I think another way of looking at it is we don't necessarily have to plan on leaving all the time. I think we are the kind of people who will just naturally want to try new things over time. But one thing we can do is if we're always returning to, say, San Francisco or something like that, fostering the sort of gratefulness we feel when we get back and not letting that dwindle. You know, we've been living in Japan and it's been very cool. Very, very fun. I wanted to do a big hand gesture there and I realized I was going to like knock all the equipment over. So I had to stop myself. I'm really um, glad you didn't do that. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, look at it this way. We came to Japan 
and the travel has been amazing. But one thing that I think is just because of the way we function and because of how much we've been traveling and having knuckles and because we don't know the language super well, we haven't made, you know, just like a ton of friends around Tokyo. It's been a more solitary year for us, which is by choice. We've liked it, but it has definitely gotten me excited for when we go back to San Francisco, wanting to spend time with all those friends that I've been missing. And so I think as a result, when we get back, I'm going to spend way more time with friends than I did before we left San Francisco. So long as we continue to leave on regular intervals, I think just like you said, that will probably get us to appreciate our surroundings more because we know we probably will leave again for a while soon. But also if we just make a point of when we get back, not forgetting like all of those things that we missed while we were in the other place. Like this is the first time we've ever come back to San Francisco. So some of this might just fix itself automatically because we now realize like, oh, these were all the things I loved about San Francisco that I didn't realize I loved because I didn't you know, know life without it. I think that might affect things. That's it for this episode. In our next episode, we discuss how Japan can encompass diametrically opposed concepts and some of the best ways to explore the local culture. And don't worry, Drew will be making and recording that unsponsored promo for Huel that he promised. We'll put that in our next episode, so I hope you stick around. And um, as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can leave them on our website at sanfrancokiopodcast.com. And if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.